What is up? Welcome in to episode 29 of the Dirty Water Fantasy Podcast. Week 17 is in the books, and it's a new year, 2022. My name is Miles Ullman, and I am accompanied by two people today. Would you like to introduce yourselves, folks? Should we, uh, let's have the guests introduce themselves first. Okay. All right. What's going on, everybody? My name is Ian. I am a fellow league mate of Chandler and Miles, and unfortunately, I am also a loser in the final of our of our league this week to Chandler. So. Wow, stealing my thunder big time there. Recurring guest Ian on the podcast. Congrats, Chandler. Congrats. Thanks, I am truly happy for you. I hope you understand that I'm sincere. All right, there'll be plenty of but it hurts. It hurts. There'll be plenty of gloating later in the episode. Um, I am Chandler Hennig, everyone. Welcome into the Dirty Waters or Fantasy Football Podcast. As Miles said, we are in a new year here, but week 18, we know some of you out there have matchups this week, so we are here to hopefully guide you to victory um, and do a little recapping of our own matchups, but uh, yeah, Miles, uh, that's that's it for the intro. Anything else we need to add there? <laughs> you tell me, Chandler. Is there anything else we need to add there? No, I, I want to get right into the league updates so I can load for a little bit. That's why That's why I asked right there. Uh, okay. Um Chandler, how did you do in your leagues this week? I won. I won. I won in my league this week, actually. So, as uh, as Ian stole my thunder, um, we uh, we had the uh, the finals. We were in the final matchup for the keeper league that we are both in, and uh, yes, I pulled it out um, on a uh, superhero esque performance from Amon Ra, Yu Gi Oh, the Sun God Saint Brown, um, and uh, yes, very close. Ian, I, I thank you for your congratulations. You are one of the best baseball players that I know, which is why I was so scared about this matchup going into this week. But uh, you gotta you gotta be the beat the best to be the best, and uh, I feel like I did that this week. So, Miles, there is another uh, dirty water fantasy championship on the board. Um, in addition, to Thomas's from last week. So yes, sir. Were pretty pretty hot start for the podcast, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I w- I was stoked that you won because it's a little validation the 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 principles the strategies that we've been preaching all season have proven themselves to work out you you won our main league what we consider our main league and ian who i know agrees with a lot of what we say especially in terms of strategy um came in second and so you know it, it is a testament to the fact that hopefully we know what we're talking about i'd like to think that we do it didn't work out for me in terms of my specific players this year but um you know over the long run fantasy is about maximizing your probabilities right and so we did that absolutely so that was my only only matchup ian are you in any any other matchups or are you done this week yeah so i was in another final uh i'm actually still alive technically I'm currently down 44. I have Najee and Deontay left, and he has Chris Boswell. So hmm. I don't know. It's it's not looking great. But the story of this is that I started all of the wrong players this week. I mean, I had Jamar Chase on the bench. I had DK Metcalf on the bench. I had Elijah Mitchell on the bench. Like, it just 
it wasn't it wasn't going to happen this week you know like sometimes the fantasy gods are are not on your side and you know i've been fortunate that they've been on my side a lot and you know it, it can't always continue so fair enough it is what it is. a uh a league with a dynasty league with kickers is pretty rough also <laughs> yeah i mean i've been te- i've been saying that but i'm i'm only one person you know at the end of the day but uh every off season I'm I'm a proud the of the drum. get rid of the kicker brigade. <laughs> so amen to that, buddy. Fair enough. Um, all right. So as as Chandler kind of alluded to at the beginning here, um, we do have a different format for the episode today. You know, it's going to be a quicker one since very few, if any, of our listeners are playing in a week eighteen game. We're really just going to cover some quick RB pickups for week eighteen, just in case you are playing in that game. And, you know, then a, a few key headlines, storylines from the week that may be relevant for week 18 or the 2022 fantasy season as we start to look ahead. Um, as a disclaimer, Chandler and I are going to take a few weeks off. Um, and once we are both back in Boston, we'll get started on some review podcasts, some off-season podcasts, things like that. So stay tuned for all of that. This is kind of just, you can, I guess in a way, think of it as a primer, um, just some interesting, thought-provoking questions on on hand today um, as we start preparing for the future. So I guess we can get into it. Chandler, do you want to do you want to kick us off here? Yeah, absolutely. So just as a reminder, we're going to run through a couple of uh, RB pickups, and we're starting with Daryl Williams. This is a priority ad this week, especially if you would be typically relying on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire um, in your Week 18 matchup. As a reminder, CH was out with a shoulder injury in Week 17. I think he's probably questionable right now. And Williams took advantage. He was 14 rushing attempts for 88 yards and two touchdowns, and he also had three catches for 19 yards. They trust Williams. He is the bell cow back with CEH out. And if CH misses time, Williams has a floor as, a, as an RB2, and he definitely has a higher ceiling than that. Yep. Um, the next name we wanted to bring up is Rashad Penny. He carried the ball 25 times for 170 yards and two touchdowns plus two targets. Um he is someone you can pick up and play and expect to get at least 20 carries probably in in week 18 and also he's probably going to be the starting running back for the Seahawks next season I don't think it's going to be Chris Carson coming off of um, what seems to be a pretty serious neck injury neck surgery do you guys agree with that take yeah I mean Ian he's on your roster right now in the keeper league you unfortunately did not play him which was understandable based on your options um, in, in our matchup, but is this is a keeper league. Are you looking at Penny next season as a possible keeper if that shakes out how, how Miles thinks it might? I think with my other options, it's probably going to be unlikely just because Penny is the kind of guy who, sure, he could be a league winner you know, if he's able to stay healthy. He's always been good when he's healthy. The issue is that he can't stay healthy. Um, he's been able to stay healthy a little bit in, you know, towards the end of this season, and and that's been a league winner for for a lot of people. But you know, to 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 keep someone, you have to have a lot of faith in them to be on the field before any type of production. And so, you know, you're definitely gonna, I'll definitely consider it. Um, but all of that stuff is is so far in the future that I, I don't think I could make any determination anytime soon but yeah of course i mean he is probably going to be the starter carson might just not be that good even if he's able to return from this injury and like i think the seahawks know what they have in penny now but 
one other quick note that I want to add here is um, there's a lot of talk that Russell Wilson might not be on this team next year. And if that's the case, like this could just be an, uh, an absolutely awful, uh, awful offense. And so, you know, that's another thing to keep in mind. But again, we won't know that until later. Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, there's definitely talk of one of Wilson or Pete Carroll not being there as well, too. So a lot of things potentially going to change in the offseason for the Seattle team. Including Penny himself. He, he is not on a contract yet for next season. So it's all really conjecture at this point. All right, let's move on to the Eagles running backs. Um, we have to name them as a group because that's how it works on the Eagles. Um, Miles Sanders is expected to be out for Philly's Week 18 matchup versus Dallas. Boston Scott and Jordan Howe were placed on the reserve COVID-19 list today, meaning that right now Kenneth Gainwell is the only available RB. Um, you know, in terms of prioritization here, I would try and get a claim or, or a, a decently high bid on Gainwell if you need a spot start at running back. And then if you can make a claim for Scott and Howard, I would do that because if one of those guys clears protocol, and again, if Sanders misses time, I think those are productive guys. And and Scott had a good amount of work this past week and very much took advantage of it. I think he had two touchdowns, if I remember correctly. That is correct. Um, yeah, I, I w- if Scott starts, I would be playing Scott for sure. Okay. Interested in Gainwell if Scott and Howard miss, or do you just not believe yeah. in Gainwell? Yes, I would play Gainwell if Scott and Howard both miss, but that's really the only situation where I'm playing Gainwell. Yeah, fair enough. Anything to add there, Ian? No, I mean, I, that's what you said is perfect, Miles. You're not playing Gainwell if, if Scott's there, and if he's not, then yeah, you're probably playing Gainwell. All right. Next name up is Ramondre Stevenson. Um, Damian Harris did re-injure his hamstring um, with in Week 17 when the Pats blew out the Jaguars. Um, we know, very shocking. Ramondre Stevenson got most of the work in the second half, and he's good. He unsurprisingly took advantage of that opportunity. 19 attempts, 107 yards, and two rushing touchdowns. Um, and in Week 18, the Pats are playing Miami, who just gave up 132 rushing yards to Deontay Foreman. Um, and that leads us right into the next name by the way Deontay Foreman he got bell cow volume this past week 26 carries and gets Houston in week 18 so I actually might prefer Foreman um to all of these options I think except for Daryl Williams personally so Miles I gotta ask because Foreman was disappointing I think in week 16 if my memory serves was that a blip for you you just think that the the game script went awry and they happened to mix in McNichols and um Dontrell Hilliard. Yes, I I do think that's the case. I'm not remembering who they played, but I believe they were playing a little bit of catch up. And Foreman did still get a touchdown. He's the goal line back at the very least and led the RBs in carries. So they do still trust him as the starter. And, And the biggest thing here is that he's getting Houston in week 18, which is one of the best matchups that you can have as a running back in fantasy. Yeah, yeah, that was I don't know who they played, but that was a weird Thursday night game. I'm pretty sure a couple weeks ago. All right, let's wrap up the list this week with Rex Burkhead. Um, this is really if and only if uh, David Johnson sits. Burkhead has gotten bell cow volume, 16 carries and six targets this past week. That'll that'll do it, especially if you need a spot start. Again, I don't think any of us really love Rex Burkhead from a, from a talent standpoint, but the opportunity has been there with Johnson missing time. And if he misses again, you'd think, you know, we think that Burkhead will get enough volume to be relevant this week. All right, fair enough. Um, I'm actually, we'll move on now to storylines. Um, so th- this has more to do, I would say, with some 2022 draft season 
talk than it does week 18 specifically, but there is some week 18's implication. Um, and I'm going to skip around a little bit in our order here, Chandler and Ian. I'm going to start actually with another running back. Um, and I'll start with Duke Johnson. He led the Miami backfield in both carries and targets. Um, it was not Miles Gaskin. I, first of all, let me ask you this. Are you confident in starting Duke Johnson in week 18? No, not at all. No, I mean, it's a terrible matchup. Um, you know, he's still splitting carries. You know, it's just, there's so many better options. I would agree. Um, in terms of next season, I would expect the Dolphins to draft and or sign a running back. But if not, I do think Duke Johnson's a name that we need to watch for in the draft, in, 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 you know, in the fantasy draft season. He's probably going to be undervalued, but if he's the Miami starter, which is crazy to think about, then he could have value for fantasy football. Yeah, I, I just think there's no way they're not drafting a running back, I think, after this season. I, I, from like what I've read of like Miami sports media and stuff, it's like, and also owning Gaskin for a lot of the season, um, you know, they they need to draft one of these, one of these running backs, maybe in the second or third round. Like it, it's not going to cut it Duke Johnson and Miles Gaskin. Like as much as I love, ha- at times have loved like a guy like Miles Gaskin, like he's not cut out to be like, this high producer and, and neither is Duke Johnson at the end of the day. He'll, he'll have an occasional good PPR game, but I would put a lot of money on them drafting a running back. Yeah. I think I'm with Ian too. They, they have not shown much loyalty to running backs this season. And partially that's been because they've got injuries and, and they've been dealing with COVID in that unit particularly. But I, I just, you know, I, I couldn't recommend playing Duke Johnson this week. And even if he ends up as the nominal starter in Miami next season, I think you still have pretty good odds by the time the season is done that there'd be another guy who kind of comes out of nowhere and ends up as the guy to own because that's what happened this season pretty much with Gaskin not really being the guy to start. And then by the time the season is over, he is essentially been unplayable and, and probably droppable as well too. Okay. Um, for the sake of segue, but also for the sake of interesting, interesting discussion, Ronald Jones is going to be a free agent. And he has at times performed for the Bucks, and at times been extremely disappointing. Could you see Rojo signing with the Dolphins? And if he did, would you be in on Rojo for next season? Yeah, I'll take that one to start. Absolutely. The thing, we've said it, I think, a lot of times on this podcast over the season, but the issue with Rojo has never been the talent. Rojo is a talented running back. He seem to have some issues with drops, which is unfortunate, especially playing with Tom Brady, a, a, a player who wants his running backs to be reliable pass catchers as well, too. But if he's going to get volume in an, in an offense, and, and you know, Tuo has been playing well of late, too, that offense seems to be decent, and they have good weapons, I would be fully in on, on Rojo. Yeah, I mean, I would just say, like, someone like Rashad Penny would actually have me more excited on, on the Dolphins, just because I think he can do more... I think he's a little more versatile if he can stay healthy. Whereas Rojo, you know, the Dolphins O-line sort of not, not very good. If they don't improve that, I'm not, I don't know how excited I am with Rojo running behind, like definitely more excited than Gaskin or Duke Johnson. But you know, a lot of this of course will depend on ADP, right? Like how excited are we given what we have to pay to acquire the player? But Rojo, no matter what is definitely an upgrade over what they currently have and should be viewed as that regardless if he does join the team. 
All right, fair enough. Um, if Rojo does leave the Bucks, which is still a big if at this point, Keyshawn Vaughn would either become the starter for the Bucks if Leonard Fournette also leaves, or the backup to Leonard Fournette. Um, Vaughn this past week got the same number of opportunities, 11 total, 8 carries and 3 targets, then did Rojo, again, 11 total, he had 10 carries and 1 target, um, but Keyshawn Vaughn was actually more efficient. I think I don't think we need to discuss Keyshawn in depth, but he's definitely someone to watch for next season if slash when you know Rojo and or Fournette leave the Bucks next year. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think I can very much imagine that if Rojo leaves, even if Fournette resigns, that Keyshawn Vaughn will be one of these guys in the bottom of that elite handcuff to your running back. So we think about guys like Alexander Madison, AJ Dillon coming into the season for this season. If Vaughn is the primary guy there and, and he's shown some, especially some pass catching chops as well, too, he will absolutely be a guy that if you're taking Fournette, you know, early as your RB2, probably, we'd probably strongly recommend paying up a little bit, you know, maybe around early or if you have an auction a little bit higher and taking Vaughn as that guy who's going to sit on your bench and hopefully you don't really need him. And you know, again, we're only we're only one season removed from a committee in 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 Tampa Bay. I mean, this is the first time we've seen Arians do this, which is why it's so surprising. So, you know, I, I it's possible again that Vaughn will have some standalone value, even if he is the backup. So, yeah, if it's just Fournette and Vaughn, I will be in on Vaughn next season as well. All right, um, we'll stick with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers here. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Antonio Brown. Uh, had an outburst. I don't know what we want to call it. A tantrum? A fit? What? What's a good name here, you guys? How about an Antonio Brown? He had an Antonio Brown? <laughs> Is that a new... That's a new noun? Okay, anytime a, a player freaks out, it's an Antonio Brown? Is that... Well, I mean, it's never happened before, right? Like, it's never <laughs> happened before that the guy just took his pads off on the sideline, and then there's that picture of him in the end zone while the other players like who are actually on the field like in the background are like getting ready to like go back out there and he's like looking at the crowd and like running into the tunnel like this is and he's, never shirt, he's shirtless as well too notably he is shirtless at that point he's shirtless yes. yeah <laughs> yeah um so yeah in case you weren't aware ab is theoretically not a member of the buccaneers anymore he hasn't been officially dropped as of today uh recording this but I don't think that he's going to play for the Buccaneers again. And I I mean, do you guys think that Antonio Brown is going to play in the NFL again? Yeah, I'll take this one. Cause I actually traded for Antonio Brown at the very end of this season in dynasty. And so his future is very relevant for that team. Um, um, I, I don't, I would, I am not confident at all that he will ever play again. I, I will probably try to trade him. Um, he, he if Brady couldn't save him after his you know long list of antics throughout Antonio Brown's career he's just done some crazy stuff like I don't know who is you know who's gonna tolerate that what kind of coach is gonna look at that outburst and be like maybe we can salvage him and he could be good for our team like I think he's just toxic so it's unfortunate you know he's one of the greatest ever yeah, and I think that's why so many teams keep giving him a shot. But anyway, with AB off of the Bucks, 
um, and Chris Godwin on IR, which we talked about in the last episode. Cyril Grayson seems to be a name to watch, wide receiver for the Bucks. He had six catches for 81 yards and a touchdown on eight targets. Um, and in this game, he out-targeted everyone on the Bucks except for Gronk. Um, anything to add there, guys? Or is he really just kind of someone to watch in Week 18 in the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, I guess the question back to you, Miles. I don't know if I'd want to trust trust Grayson in Week 18 if you need a spot start at, at wide receiver. I imagine on most waiver wires there are players that I'd be more interested in picking up and playing in my lineup. Again, it's you know it's great that this guy popped with some opportunity, but you got to remember that Mike Evans is still banged up. I'd imagine he'll be healthier for the Week 18 matchup, and and you know it's. I think like I think Evans and Gronkowski are the guys there from a reception standpoint. Yeah, that's a good point. But I also, you know, there's a chance. Who who are the Bucks playing next week? Pulling it up now. It's Carolina, so it's not a. Mm. It's there's a chance they get out to a, a lead early, and then you know Grayson operates as the wide receiver one for the second half or something. That's a little bit narrative-y, but you know, I'd probably not love the idea of playing Cyril Grayson in week 18, but I'm willing to, if I were in a, a, a pretty desperate situation. Sure. All right. That's yeah. I mean, I think I'm right there with you as well too. Again, just to reiterate, I think there's going to be better options on most people waivers wire if they need an emergency wide receiver start or even a flex as well too. Okay. Uh, Cyril Grayson in week 18 or Zay Jones wide receiver for the Raiders. He's seen at least eight targets in three straight weeks. For me, it's it's Zay. I, I think this is shocking to say, but I think NFL defenses are starting to realize that Hunter Renfro is the guy in 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 Las Vegas. I, you know, I don't want to say they're game planning for him exactly, but he is arguably their biggest weapon in the receiving game with Darren Waller out, and teams are doing their due diligence with with Renfro of late. He's been, and Ian's pulling it up now. He's been. Yeah, he, you know, he, so I see on there, he got, he bounced back in terms of targets this week. Um, he had nine, he only had three and five of the two previous games. He did score a touchdown this week as well, too. Um, but it is LA next week as well, too, which is a tough matchup. So I, I, I'm in on Jones, I think, especially with Waller being out for the rest of the season. Um, but that's just my take on this. Yeah, just to add, I, I totally agree with Chandler. I mean, I think the Zay Jones thing is for real. Carr really likes this guy, and I think it's taken the Raiders a, a while to sort of figure out what their offense is after rugs and what with Waller out just a note though, Waller is, there is some talk that Waller could be returning for this game in which case Zay Jones may not be a great start, but I still think we all should probably be leaning towards Cyril Grayson, uh, uh, sorry, towards Zay Jones over Cyril Grayson, just because of how speculative Grayson is. Yep. I, I would agree with everything that you guys said. Uh, while we are on the topic of wide receivers, um, some bad news, I guess. Michael Gallup tore his ACL in this week, um, and he was on a contract year. I guess the question here is, are we expecting Gallup to leave Dallas next year, or does this kind of change things, and now we're expecting him to be back on the team? Yeah, so I think the expectation was if he stayed healthy, he would for sure be leaving uh Everyone knows that he's talented. He could be a wide receiver one on, cert on certain teams, you know, that don't have depth. Now, I'm not so sure. You know, I don't know the cap situation off the top of my head, but it is, you know, I could see sort of a scenario cap permitting where 
they do bring back Gallup on like a on like a smaller contract because he's he got hurt. Um, but you know, it's just too hard to know. I mean, they could easily cut him too. As Cedric Wilson has been playing really well for the Cowboys. He has, and and you know, so I think maybe the Cowboys look at that and they say, okay, wide receiver is is a position we're pretty good at, and and yeah, maybe Gallup goes goes now that the injury is is here and it's an ACL, you know, it's, he's not going to be ready for next year, probably. So in the beginning, at least. Yeah. Nothing to add there. I think that's, that's what I would, my take as well too. And I think the Cedric Wilson piece is relevant there. He, he has been showing out a little bit of late too. All right. Um, I'll stay on the topic of wide receivers here. And I wanted to pose an interesting question as I was looking through the box scores this week. Alan Robinson continues to be out targeted by Darnell Mooney and this past week, you know, Andy Dalton was throwing the ball. It, it wasn't Justin Fields. It wasn't Nick Foles. Andy Dalton, even going into this year, we thought of as a, a capable enough quarterback to, to sustain fantasy relevance for a guy like Allen Robinson. Are you going to be in on Allen Robinson next season if he leaves the Bears and gets a decent to good quarterback? Yeah, I will be. Um, we valued, I think, Al Robinson as a low-end wide receiver one this season. It will not be that for Robinson because this is a scary dip. Um, his It seems like part of this at this point in the season might be that he's just not committed to this team, which is understandable to some extent. I don't think the Bears have treated him all that well, frankly, in, in his time there, which is unfortunate because he is such a talented guy. But you know, pro- prognosticating a little bit here in terms of what the draft might look like going into next season. If he ends up on a team with a decent, a decent uh, quarterback and he even is a wide receiver two on that team, I could see myself wanting to draft him as a wide receiver two. So maybe in the third, maybe in the fourth round and having some belief here that the town has not gone away in one season. It was just, it was a lack of chemistry or lack of belief by the team in Robinson and everyone knew he was playing on a franchise tag. That was not a secret. And and we also knew that he wasn't super happy about being tagged last year by the Bears as well. So I think all those factors come into play. And again, I, I, I imagine that by the time draft season rolls around, I'll have him in the uh, wide receiver two range. I mean, Ian, what, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I agree with you on everything um, regarding, you know, the franchise tag and, and things like that. I think he's on the record saying that Playing on the franchise tag for Chicago was at the bottom of his list. He 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 hasn't wanted to be on this team for a long time now. And I mean, I don't know if you can really blame him in a way. But anyways, whether or not I'm in on him will depend on where he ends up. I mean, that, that is obviously the most important thing. He could if he ends up in a bad situation, like you know, I can't say right here and now that I that I would be in on him. But we know he's talented. The data suggests that he is a good player. Like this has been a terrible year, but this is more likely to be the exception rather than the rule. And he's still relatively, you know, he's in his prime, you could say. So, so Ian, I got to ask a question on quickly. When you say bad, bad situation, he has been productive, really productive with bad quarterback play. So is a bad situation more about the QB talent or more about the opportunity that he'll be potentially seeing in whatever offense he lands on? I think it's, I think it starts with the QB. I mean, we're seeing what happened with Kenny Galladay this year. Uh, in, in a team that on a team where the quarterback just can't get him the ball. 
Um, you know, for example, if Allen Robinson ended up on the Giants, just all forget about anything else. But if Daniel Jones was his quarterback, I don't know if I'd be in on Allen Robinson, right? That's fair. Yep. You know, it, it's just there are certain franchises where it's just not a good fantasy situation for the, for these players, no matter how talented they are. So it really will depend on that. Yep, that's a fair point. Yeah. Also, obviously, depends on his ADP, as always. Um, all right. I think I would be remiss not to include Jamar Chase's stat line uh, from Week 17. He caught 11 balls for 266 yards and three touchdowns on 12 targets, um, and he set the record for single-game receiving yards by a rookie. Dude's an absolute stud, um, and if you took a chance on him in the fifth round of your fantasy drafts this year, congrats on your probable championship that you are uh, running away with at this point. Um, Anything to add on Chase, you guys? I mean, I'll give a quick shout-out to Jonah in the Dynasty League. He he did take uh, Chase... I don't. I don't know what round he took Chase in actually, but Jonah's Jonah's winning the Ian's saying third to me, um, ish third ish, um, whatever. But yeah, I mean Jonah took Chase. Um, he won the uh, the championship in that league. So shout out Jonah. That's in our, our dynasty league that that uh, Miles and Ian and I are all in. Um, and Ian and I were having this debate yesterday if 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 Chase is the wide receiver one if he had a startup draft in dynasty and. Uh, if he's not the one, he's he's probably the two. So um, yeah, I mean, congrats if you own owned Chase and redraft. If you owned him in keeper, congrats. And if you own him in dynasty, I don't think you need my congratulations. You're going to be in good shape for a long time, probably. Yep, agree with all of that. Um, again, you know, while we're on the topic of rookies, uh, Kyle Pitts hit a thousand yards as a 21 year old rookie this past week. Um, I think he's going to be a fantasy stud for years. And I was looking back actually today at his game log from the season, and I believe in 17 games he had seven games above 10 points and 10 games below 10 points. So he was cold more than he was hot. Um, and I think people might look back on that season this season and not feel very positively about Kyle Pitts's season but he's the tight end five on the season um the fact that he had a thousand yards as a 21 year old year old rookie is insane he he has more yards as a rookie than T Higgins and CeeDee Lamb had as in their rookie seasons um and he's a tight end like that's insane he's going to be a stud for years and i think we just need to remember that because next season we shouldn't look back on this season poorly is 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 i guess what i'm trying to say we should remember that this was actually a really really good season for pitts so miles i'm asking you to guess a little bit but is Pitts going to be the bottom of your tier one for tight ends next season you think probably there are a lot of question marks in atlanta will ridley be back is matt ryan still going to be the qb are they going to draft a running back Uh, you know are they going to beef up the o-line a little bit etc etc but probably i think he will be in my bottom tier of of tier one sorry at the bottom of my tier one tight ends just with the year two jump and already seeing how good he did he was in his rookie year yeah, and Ian is nodding his head as well, too, just uh, for, our, for our listeners. Yeah, just real quick to add, I mean, he had one touchdown this year. I yeah. mean, that's, that's going to regress positively. He's just too talented for that not to happen. And, you know, the only thing, the only caveat I would add is that, you know, there's really are 
very few, if any, players that where it's like, I like this player next season no matter what. Like, we still need to see what happens. Like you said, there's a lot of unknowns in uh, in Atlanta. Um, but I do think Calvin Ridley coming back will unlock, like, the offense more for Pitts. And, yeah, he's just too talented. And But, you know, you got to watch the ADP, right? Like, a player is a good draft pick, but he's not always a good uh, price. He's not always at a good price, so just got to be careful. Yep. Yeah, if he, you know, creeps up above Mark Andrews, for example, then I would rather have Mark Andrews probably around later or something along those lines. I'm obviously speculating, but, you know, that's to your point that ADP is the most important thing here, always, really. Um, All right, let's move on to a couple different positions. Um, I guess just something that I wanted to call out again, reviewing the box scores this week. Um, if the Bills don't draft a running back, I think that we need to remember that Singletary will be an undervalued, probably, RB2. He had 23 carries for 110 yards and two touchdowns this week. He was on Chandler's championship roster, um, and he really, really came on in the last month or so once the Bills started giving him bell cow opportunity. Yeah, I'll take this one to start just because he was on my roster. Um you know, we, we kind of knew this a couple weeks ago with Zach Moss being inactive, I think, in week 16 or week 15, that Singletary was looking like looking like the guy. And it was kind of confusing for a stretch because I think in one week he got like 20-plus carries. And then the next week he got significantly less carries, but he got a lot of targets. So it's unusual for an a running back to jump right in terms of like why they are valuable. Typically they either are a pass catcher or a, a good runner or at the elite level both. Um, so that was kind of confusing, but yeah, I mean, Singletary has been on fire. I, I will say, and, and yes, if, if the bills do not take a running back, I think Singletary will be a solid, probably low end RB two. And the reason I say low end is because he's on the bills. And that means that Josh Allen is his quarterback, which is good from a offense scoring opportunity standpoint in general, but Josh Allen, maybe more than any other quarterback in the league loves to call his own number down by the goal line. So Josh Allen poaching touchdowns from his running backs is a thing this season. It will be a thing for as long as he is in the NFL. Yeah, just to add to that, you know, if they – Chandler was talking about, you know, we got to see what they do, whether they draft a running back. If they don't draft a running back, it's not only that there is not a running back there, it's also a vote in confidence in Devin Singletary. So I actually think that that would be a very good indicator for Singletary going forward, and he's still young. So Yep. Good point. Miles, uh, quick question on that before sure. we move on. Do you think they're done with Moss at this point or no? Yeah, I think they're done with Moss. I mean, the fact that Matt Burita is getting time over him, or, or I, I actually don't even know if that's still happening, but ha- at certain points he did. Moss it was a healthy scratch, I think, on two different occasions this season. I do think they're done with Moss in terms of giving him the RB1 opportunity. They may, you know, keep him around as a backup, sure, but I don't think they're they're looking at him as a franchise running back anymore. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, five carries in week 17, three the week before that. Yep. Um, looking at the 49ers box score, I, I had two takeaways. Um, the first is that Trey Lance will be a great fantasy asset when he's given the opportunity. He had 19 points after, if I'm remembering correctly, he had a rough first half and a, a better second half. Um, but either way, he's a rushing quarterback, and we've talked so many times on this podcast about how rushing quarterbacks are a cheat code uh, for fantasy football. 
if he is the starter next season, I will be very in on him. You know, obviously, as always, depends on his ADP, but anything to add there, guys, on Trey Lance? Yeah, I'll take this one just because I traded up for Trey Lance in a, in our dynasty draft this year, so I was really excited to take him. Uh, I was hoping he'd play a little bit more than he has, but, you know, Jimmy G's been the starter. Yeah, I mean, you said you hit it on the head. Like, he's a running quarterback, and if he's accurate and he's in a really good system – but you know, if he can prove to, to to be to have the mental aspects of the quarterback position worked out, then he has the Josh Allen type upside. You know, the Lamar Jackson type upside. Um, you know, I I don't know if the 49ers are very invested in Jimmy G. I think it's just sort of like they have to they had to use him this year because Lance wasn't ready. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see whether Jimmy G is still around after this year. And it's obvious to say, but the Niners have some incredible weapons. Miles is going to talk about the running back situation in a second here. But, I mean, Ayuk has been frustrating this season, but Ayuk is super talented. And we know the health problems with Debo, but Debo's been managing to stay healthy this season. And he is, a, I think, a top five wide receiver right now. Yeah, and, and what Chandler was alluding to here is is another important takeaway here, which is that Elijah Mitchell was still very productive for fantasy despite having Lance at the helm. And what I mean by that is sometimes we downgrade our running backs when they're playing alongside a rushing quarterback because we think of them as as taking away some of those rushing opportunities um, and maybe some of those rushing touchdown opportunities. Mitchell had 21 carries for 119 rushing yards plus two targets and a receiving touchdown. So he was really, really good. He was still used as an RB1 bell cow workload. Um, and that to me is really, really reassuring for the long time, the, the long-term value of both uh, of basically Mitchell with Lance at QB and, and just, you know, what that backfield situation will look like for the 49ers moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. And a reminder to always pick up Jeff Wilson at the, at the end of the season too, because <laughs> he will, he will deliver fantasy value for your, in the playoffs somehow. We don't know how, but somehow. Yep, good point. Um, and we have one more takeaway here. Um, Chandler, I'll, I'll let you talk about this one. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned him already, but I just want to talk about Yu-Gi-Oh! a little bit more. Um, <laughs> by the way, like, still sub-50% rostered. Uh, like, if you need a flex start this weekend, it's week 18. Like, he is your guy. Like, I, you know, all the other running backs in that list are going to get a ton of volume, which is great. And, like, if you need a floor, maybe some of those guys are better options. But I don't know how many times in a row Yu-Gi-Oh! can have blow up performances and not be respected by fantasy football. Um, it's, it's mind boggling, but yeah, I mean, overall wide receiver six from his breakout in week 11 to, to the current week, uh, that's just indicative of how good he's been. And, um, you know, it was a joke, I think for the first couple of weeks, miles, but he is a free agent pickup, which means he is an eighth round keeper value and in, in our, in our keeper league. And he is going to be in heavy consideration for myself next season. And, that's a, a situation that's in flux. I don't think the Lions are really tied to Jared Goff. They had some good moments with him, but I think they really need to upgrade a quarterback if they're going to be competitive in a, in a tough division. And if Amon Ra gets attached to a good quarterback, I think the sky's the limit for him. And I'm super excited to have him on my on my, my team. I wish I had him on my dynasty roster, frankly, at this point too. And, and if you do have him on dynasty roster, hold him, please. Because, again, I want to see how good this guy is. Yep. Good point. Uh, Ian, anything to add? We haven't asked for your thoughts on Yu-Gi-Oh! this season. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, it's unfortunate that I was on the sort of the receiving end of his 
his great performance, but yeah, he's, he's awesome. And, you know, I, I would actually, the, the only thing I want to add, I actually disagree with Chandler about holding in dynasty. Every player has a price. And right now the Yu-Gi-Oh hype is just through the roof. And like six weeks ago, like, you know, he just was just another guy on the lines. Like, again, I'm not saying he won't be really good. He could end up being, you know, a really good receiver for years to come. But, like, if you can get two first-round picks, like, something ridiculous for someone who doesn't know how to fairly value players, like, you've got to take that deal. I mean, this is just – at the end of the day, this is six weeks of, of awesome performances by, you know, a team with a lot of garbage time. Like, you know, I, I don't want to just – I don't want to – I'm bullish on Yu-Gi-Oh, but to a point, right? There's always a point, and we just need to keep that in mind. Yeah, and you can say that about any any player in fantasy, in Dynasty. Um, every player should have a price, and you should always be listening to offers, but obviously every player has a different price. What What is that price that you would be willing to give away Yu-Gi-Oh for if you had him? Would you give him away for a first-rounder? Um, I think I, I would actually point that question at Chandler as someone who's sort of had him and, and sort of been monitoring him a little bit more closely. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it depends on where the first rounder falls in, in a rookie draft, Miles. I think if it's a late first rounder, I'd probably rather have Yu-Gi-Oh! And I have a chance to get a running back who's going to be a starter next season and will have, you know, what is nominally, you're projected to be three or four seasons of, of I want to say bell cow work, because that seems to be going away a little bit in the league, you know, in recent years, but it's going to get starter volume, then I consider that trade, but you know, I was going to ask this question to Ian, but I think I'll answer it myself. Like, if I think about a startup draft in terms of wide receiver rookie rankings, I think Yu-Gi-Oh is starting to be like in my fringe wide receiver two territory. I think he's he's super young and he's shown some flashes here in terms of in terms of the talent. And again, if they can figure it out next season at, at quarterback, I don't know if they're going to trade for someone if they'll draft somebody in in Detroit. But you know, I I don't wouldn't be I wouldn't think anyone was crazy if they took him as a, a low-end wide receiver two, maybe a high-end wide receiver three in a startup draft this year. All right. Well, we'll see how that shakes out. Uh, that'll do it for us. There is one more game left in uh, the Week 17, what we consider the really one more game uh, left in the fantasy season uh, for 2021. I will be providing my thoughts on tonight's Monday Night Football game, um, and that will be my last of the season. Um, you can follow me at Miles Ullman FF to get that. The show is at Dirty Water FF. Those are both on Twitter. On Instagram, we're at Dirty Water Fantasy. Facebook, Dirty Water Fantasy. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all other platforms at anchor.fm slash Dirty Water Fantasy. Write us a message, leave us a review, like, subscribe, click the bell, all that jazz. Um, and as we close out the season here a couple of notes i guess um one is is especially if you earned money for winning your league we would encourage you to consider donating to the various charities that your fantasy players who helped you win your leagues um the the charities that they support we'll retweet a list from the dirty water fantasy account um the the the, the list comes from michael gelkin and that has the different charities that a lot of fantasy relevant players support 
Um, and I think it would be a great gesture in what is a challenging time for many right now to donate some of your winnings. Um, you know, whatever you can, I think would go a long way. The, um, the second note that we have for you is thank you so much for sticking it out with us this season. If you listened, if you've listened to any episode, any number of episodes, we really, 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 really appreciate the love and support. Um, we're taking a few weeks off, but we will be back recording together soon. Um, I know Chandler and I have a ton of exciting plans for changes to the podcast, 2021 season reviews, 2022 off-season analysis, um, and, and much, much more. So please stay tuned and make sure you're following the Twitter for updates and all of that. And we will be back on Tuesdays very, very soon. Uh, Chandler, anything to add there? Or Ian? Yeah, I mean, I just got to... I just got to echo the thank yous. This has been incredible, Miles. I I can't have imagined being where we are now, starting in episode one. Um, it's been an incredible ride, and I'm thrilled to keep it going with with you. And, uh, you know, the end of one finish season means the next one is not that far around the corner, too. I'm looking forward to a couple couple weeks off, but off-season starts soon, and, and we've got a lot of work to do to, to – uh, to get ourselves and our listeners to the uh, to the championships in 2022. So I'm looking forward to all that as well. Yeah. And, you know, I would just add, like, it's awesome to be on the podcast, uh, you know, as an occasional contributor. Thank you guys for having me. But, but, you know, it's also really cool to be a listener. You know, we talk so much, you know, in our chats and stuff about football and stuff. But when, when I actually hear you guys in a, in an official podcast, like that's just so awesome. So keep up the good work and, uh, yeah, I look forward to the many more conversations in the future. Thanks, Ian. And thank you for listening. We appreciate all of the love and support, as I said. Good luck, uh, and we love you. Love you guys. You're feeding them lies, feeding them lies, while you're dying inside, dying inside. Oh!